All right, if there's any uh, junior, senior high still in here, uh, you are invited to slip out and follow Jeff to the uh, fireplace room. Uh, I know I forget that uh, uh, every week to do that, but to release the students. But, um, you know, I may be forgetful, but I am consistent about it. So <laughs> praise God for that, right? <laughs> All right, well, welcome to week three of our series. We're talking about saying yes to the Holy Spirit, what it means to say that, what it looks like to say that. And the first week we started off with talking about saying yes to the change that he wants to work in our lives because uh, he's in the process of, of conforming us into the image of Jesus. He's in the process of changing our lives and conforming us into the image of Jesus. And, and, and we talked about what it means to say yes to the change that he wants to bring about in our lives. Then in last week, in week two, we talked about being available for the Holy Spirit to use us. We want to be available to him. He wants to use us. He has things for us to do. He put us, you know, when Jesus created us, he put us on earth to do certain things. Things which were laid out for us before the foundation of the earth. Our life was laid out with things that God wanted us to do. And if we're going to actually do those things that God created us to do, then we're going to have to be available. And that means, you know, being available is not just saying, you know, yes, God, I'm willing. I'm willing for you to use me. Being available, it means actually committing ourselves, committing our time, our energy, our resources for God to use for his use. Now, today in week three, we're asking the question, what does it mean to be ready? It's one thing to be available, but what does it mean then to be ready? We want to be ready so when the Holy Spirit prompts us, when the Holy Spirit comes along and taps us on the shoulder and says, I want you to do this, we want to be ready for him to use us so we can say, yes, Holy Spirit, when he taps our shoulder. When he invites us to join him in what he's doing, we want to be able to respond with that yes. So what does it mean? What does it mean when we talk about being ready? Well, today we're going to talk about five ways that uh, we can be ready, five ways we need to be ready if we are going to join in the Holy Spirit in his work in this world. See, that's how he's chosen. God has chosen to work in this world through his church. He's chosen to work through the church. He didn't just unleash a bunch of individuals to go out and do a bunch of good things he he uh um what's the word i want established the church and left the church as his body and we are made the church is made up of individuals but individuals who are united together into his body to do his work and there's five things that we need to consider or five ways rather that we can be ready for, to be able to say, yes, Holy Spirit, when he says, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And the first thing, first way we need to be ready is to be ready to share. To be ready to share, to make what you have available to others. That's what sharing is. Sharing is when we make what we have available to someone else. Start in 1 Peter 3. I want to read this, verses 15 and 16. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Be ready to share why you have faith. 
why you are a Christian. You have a story. You have a story. And maybe you're in, a, you're in the office, you're in at work somewhere, and you start a conversation with someone, sharing about different things, and it comes up that, you know, you go to church or that you're a Christian, and, you know, uh, and, and the person you're talking to is not a believer. What are you going to say when they ask, why are you a Christian? Or when they ask this one, you've probably heard this one before, how can you believe in Jesus when dot, dot, dot? Right? Have you ever heard that one? How can you believe in God when dot, dot, dot? Are you ready to respond when those questions come? Now, here's the thing. You don't have to know, have an answer to every question a person has, but we should be able to be ready to respond with why we follow Jesus. We should be ready to respond with why we follow him. Uh, you know, and, and you know, uh, at least share why we're a Christian. And as we do, it's key to remember this, because I think a lot of people forget it. It's key to remember that as we share our faith, our goal is not to try to win an argument. You know, sometimes we think, well, I can't share my faith. I, I don't argue very well. You know, and, and, but it, that's never our goal. It, that, it doesn't have anything to do with winning an argument with someone. It has everything to do with how we share, the way that we share with people, the way that we share what we share. Our conversations with people who don't know Jesus should always be carried out with an attitude of gentleness and an attitude of respect, no matter how much we disagree with them, no matter how polar opposites our opinions, our views, our beliefs may be. When you, when you think about it, to do anything else is simply to reinforce walls that divide us. If we treat people and speak to people with anything other than gentleness and respect, it just reinforces the walls that divide us. And we aren't called to reinforce walls that Christ wants to tear down. We are called to build bridges to reach people that Christ died for. And that is important. That is important. So speak to people with gentleness, with respect. Treat them with dignity, no matter how far apart you may be on any given issue. Don't feel like you have to have all the answers to people's questions. Just be willing to share two things. One, share your story. Share your story. What has Jesus done in your life? Who is he to you? How has he impacted your life? How has he rewritten your story? Every one of us has a story. Every one of us has a story about how we came to know Jesus. I was a, a, uh, uh, a student here at IU. I was in the business school, and I was so wrapped in the, up in the culture of what was going on, and I was so far from God. I always knew he was there, but as far as any kind of relationship, I put in my 30 to 45 minutes every Sunday, and that was it. You know, that was really it. That, I, 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 never, I never prayed. I never talked to him. I never read my Bible. I would time it so that I would get to church as long as I got to church before offering. And then uh, uh, I would wait till communion, take communion, and, and come up front and take that, and then go right out the door. And as long as I made that portion of service, I figured I did my duty for the week. I was so far from God until we met a couple that introduced us to a church down in Bedford and a pastor that was down there, and God started working on my life, 
And it wasn't long if, yeah, it wasn't long if you ask me. If you ask Lisa, it was really long probably. Uh, <laughs> it was about, about, about four months from the time she got connected with these people and she uh, gave her life to Christ and by the time I did. And, and during those four months, um, I mean, she started growing in her faith and, just, and I just started resisting and started fighting. But God was working on me, inside me in ways that nobody else could see. And at the end of that time, I surrendered my life to Jesus, and, and you know, my, my story was my life has never been the same ever since. Every single one of us has a story. Every single one of us has a story that we can share. It doesn't have to look like somebody else's story, but we all have a story. So be ready to share your story. Second, be ready to share your life. Be ready to share your life. Now, what this means is that we need to make space for people in our lives. And that's not always convenient. In fact, it rarely ever is. I don't mean space for, you know, our close friends and, and family. And, and I mean space for those people that God brings into our life. And he highlights to us and says, this is somebody I want you to listen to. This is somebody I want you to pay attention to. This is somebody I want to insert into your life because I want to use you and your story in their life. See, when we share our life with people, it, people can see how we handle different situations. They can see Christ working in us, but that involves allowing people to get close it involves making space for people. See, the thing is, God is a relational God, and he works in and through relationships. Kingdom of God is all about relationships, and he works in and through those relationships. That's why the enemy tries so hard to isolate us from other believers. When he gets us to pull back from other believers, he has done, he, he's accomplished two things. One, he separated us from those that God would use in our lives to help us. And two, he separated from those that God wants to use us to help. If he can isolate us rather than connect us with people, if the enemy can isolate us, then he's won a battle right there. Now, we know he's lost the war, but sometimes he still wins battles. And he's won a battle right there if he can isolate us. Point is, we need to be in proximity for, to people in order for God to use us in people's lives. That means make space in our lives. Opportunities often come in the middle of our day-to-day -day lives. Opportunities to share our experiences, to share our joys, our sorrows, and, and, and how God helped us through our toughest challenges. When we become willing to open up our lives and let other people in, not just the good times, not just the successes, but into our failures, into our struggles, into our troubles as well. There's strength in that for us, and there's help for someone else. See, often when we share our lives, we only want to share the good part of our lives. We don't want to share the pain. We don't want to share the embarrassments. We don't want to share the suffering. We don't want people to know where we've failed. But it's when people see how God moved in our lives 
when we were in a similar situation, when we were in a similar place as them, that's what helps them and gives them hope for change because that's what tells them, you know, they went through this and they've come out of it and they're doing well now. Maybe the same can happen for me. See, but we have to share that. We have to share our experiences. So as you go through your daily routine, watch and listen for the Holy Spirit to interrupt your schedule, to interrupt your routine and invite you to participate in what he's doing in somebody else's life, to invite you to open up your life and let other people in and share your life so you can say yes to the Holy Spirit. And that's what he does as we go through life together in community. Second, in addition to sharing, let's be ready to serve. Ready to serve. Christian life is a life of serving. If we're going to do the things that Jesus did, then we're going to do a lot of serving because that's what he did. He didn't come. Bible says he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. It's exactly what he did. When the Holy Spirit invites us to something, often that's what it is. It's an invitation to serve someone else in some way. And there are many ways that we prepare ourselves for this. If we're going to serve, save, for, you know, we, we serve the body by teaching. Then we prepare by studying so that we're teaching what the Bible actually teaches because there's a lot of people teaching stuff that is not in the Bible. There's a lot of people teaching things that are contrary, exactly contrary to what Scripture teaches. So we need to prepare so that when we do teach, those that are teaching, we're teaching what the Scripture actually says. Now, if we serve in an area of technology, then we take time to learn that technology so that we can excel in it, so that we can do our best in it. Whatever area that we serve in, we prepare by learning in that, more in that area and by honing our skills in that area. We prepare for it. But whatever area we serve in, we first prepare our hearts. And we do that through humility and we do that through being teachable. We prepare our hearts and we become spiritually prepared. We prepare ourselves spiritually. Look what Paul writes in, to, to Timothy, his protege. In 2 Timothy 2, he writes, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. Now I want you to look at verse 21. If you keep yourself pure, now some translations say, you know, cleanse yourself. If you keep yourself pure, if you cleanse yourself, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Paul does something here. He connects keeping ourselves pure, keeping ourselves cleansed with being ready for God to use us. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. doesn't mean that God can't use us unless we're perfect or sinless. I mean, we never will be. We, will, we're, we strive for that, but we never will be until he comes back. And the Bible is full of accounts of God using people in spite of their weaknesses, in spite of their sin, in spite of their failures. You know, I think of Samson, I think of David, I think of Rahab, I think of Paul, I think of Peter, I mean, just to name a few. But at the same time, 
He calls us to a lifestyle of continued purity from sin. He calls us to a lifestyle of humility, of holiness, one that's dedicated to pursuing God. See, there's a connection between living a pure life and a holy life and God using us. And the more we purify ourselves, the more we cleanse ourselves, whether that's talking about from sin, from wrong beliefs, from wrong mindsets and worldviews, or from distractions, the more we do that, the more we will be ready for God to use us. Think about it. For one thing, we'll be better able to hear His voice. And his instructions to us will be a whole lot clearer and we'll be, we'll be more tuned in to hear him. There will be less static. See, he's always speaking to us, always. But we're not always tuned in to what he's saying. And the more we clear out the static and get the things out that are, that are in the way, the more we clear those out, the better able we are to hear what he says. And for another thing, not only will, be better, will be, we be better able to hear his voice, but... We'll have more credibility with the people around us when our lives are aligned with how the Scripture says we should be living. When we live as a believer should, and our lives are cleansed, our lives are purified, we are going to have more credibility with the world around us. When there are major gaps between what we claim to believe and how we're living, we're not going to be much use for the kingdom because nobody's going to believe us doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It's not an issue of that. It just means that we're not at a place where he can really use us like he wants to use us. On the other hand, when our lives are in line with what God wills for us, and we've been responding to his direction, we've been responding to his correction and so forth, and then it's a whole lot easier to respond with, yes, Lord, of course I'll do this. Yes, Holy Spirit, you want me to do this? I'm there. I'm your guy. I'm ready for it. See, the greatest mercy that God can give us is not to pay all our bills. The greatest mercy that God can give us is not to give us a new car or a new house. The greatest mercy that God can give us is not the newest iPhone or the most powerful laptop. The greatest mercy that God can give us is to bring us into a place of repentance where he shows us the things in our lives that are not in line with his will. And then we begin to change those things with his help. That is the greatest mercy God can ever give someone. See, sometimes we have an aversion to repentance. We don't like the word. How many of us get up every morning and say, Awesome! Today's the day I get to repent! You know why? It's because we have a wrong view of repentance. We think repentance is in response to God shaking his finger at us or pointing his finger at us and saying, look at you, look what you did. 
I know what you were doing last night. I know what. Repentance is when we hear God saying, my child, I love you so much. And I know you're hurting because you're following your own way. Won't you come and do this? Change your thinking, change your ways. Come to me. See, repentance is when we respond to that and we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Father. See, the truth is, repentance is the most beautiful gift that God can give us because without true repentance, there can be no forgiveness. Without true repentance, there can be no mercy. Without true repentance, we're not ready to serve. But true repentance opens the door wide for God to use us for his purposes. It's through repentance, it's through true repentance that we become clean vessels, fit for the master's noble purpose and ready to serve however the Holy Spirit calls us. And again, repentance is not just saying, oh, I'm sorry I got caught. I mean, I'm sorry for what I did. Repentance is saying, God, I recognize. I, I, yeah, you know what I did. Forgive me. And then accepting his forgiveness and stepping out of whatever it was. That's repentance. And it's through true repentance that we become clean vessels. Third way we need to be ready, and this is one we really don't like to talk about, because if we don't like to talk about re repentance, and we really don't like to talk about this one, and that is we need to be ready to suffer. We really do. I hate to break it to you. I hate to be the one that tells you. But if you're a believer, you need to be prepared to suffer. There are those who teach that if a Christian has enough faith, or if they simply pray hard enough, then they shouldn't suffer. And the problem is that belief falls apart when you look at history and when you look at the scriptures. In the book of Acts, we see the apostles beaten and thrown into jail on more than one occasion. And then just look at the way that the apostles died. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified in Greece. Uh, the country, not the substance. Thomas was pierced through the, with, with spears of four soldiers. Philip was arrested and martyred in Asia Minor. Matthew was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was martyred. James, the son of Alphaeus, was stoned and then clubbed to death. Simon the Zealot was killed after refusing to sacrifice to the sun god. Matthias was burned to death. And John died of old age, but not long before being, or, I mean, excuse me, but not before being exiled to the island of Patmos and in according to early Latin tradition before being thrown into boiling oil. Current history doesn't bode any better for Christians living in places like West Africa and Egypt and China and so many other countries where Christians are still being beheaded, crucified, and tortured for their faith in Jesus. Now, does that mean that's going to happen to all of us? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we are called to follow Jesus, period. Come what may. 
whatever happens. When we, you know, the song, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And the road that we follow him through is a road of suffering. Doesn't mean everything is going to go wrong. It's not like suffering like, like, you know, like there's never any, 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 anything good. We're not talking about that. But I like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said when he said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Because we give our lives to Jesus. We need to be ready to suffer because suffering is a part of the Christian life. The problem is this. We get confused about what we are to suffer and what kinds of things we are to suffer. We go through struggles, and sometimes it's our own doing. Sometimes it's just the enemy throwing things at us and, and whatever. But, you know, the suffering that Jesus called us to do is suffering for him. For example, God does not send sickness into our lives. What happened when, Jesus, when people came to Jesus with sickness? He healed them every single time. Never once did he say, sorry, you just need to suffer through this. This is going to be for my glory. If God sent sickness to us in order to accomplish some greater work, you ever heard that one? That God, you know, well, he gave this person sickness because he's going to be glorified through it. Now, it's not that God can't be glorified through it, but that sickness is not from God. If God sent sickness in or, to us in order to accomplish some greater work in our lives, let me ask you this. Why do you go to the doctor to try to get well? Right? If God wants me sick, why do I go to a doctor to try to get well? I go to a doctor because I'm hoping Jesus will use that doctor or, or some other means to make me well because I don't want to be sick and Jesus doesn't want me to be sick. I mean, otherwise, wouldn't we be... Subverting, subverting the will of God, right? If Jesus said, I'm going to make you sick so you can glorify me through it, and we go to a doctor to try to get well, aren't we trying to subvert God's will? It, the argument doesn't hold. So how am I supposed to understand suffering in my life? How do I know whether it's something I should fight, uh, you know, fight against or something that I should you know, bear down and push through and stand through? Look at 1 Peter 2.21. says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. You must follow in his steps. We are called to live our, our lives devoted to Jesus. We are called to do good. And if that means suffering for him, then so be it. Christ is our example of how to bear up under suffering. He is our example of how to endure. And when we give our lives to Christ, we can expect that there will be suffering that comes with that decision. So the question is, when are we going to follow, excuse me, when we are following the leading of the Holy Spirit and the result is suffering, are we ready for it? Are we ready for that to happen? Are we ready for the suffering that comes from deciding to follow Jesus? You know, a lot of times people say, well, I'm ready to give my life for Jesus. If somebody came up to me and pointed a gun at me and said, deny Christ, I wouldn't do it even if they shot me. Fair enough. Maybe, maybe not. But what if your faith in Christ led to you losing your job and then you couldn't find one? 
because your employer wanted you to do something unethical or illegal or immoral or all three, said, you do it or you're fired. Say, I'm a Christian, I can't do it. You're out the door. And then you can't find work. Wouldn't you call that suffering? Or what about, in some cultures, it's, it's really uh, uh, prevalent when uh, someone becomes a Christian, they give their life to Jesus, they're put out of their family, thrown out of their house, they're disavowed, disowned, they're no longer considered part of that family and they're thrown out. Are we ready for that? Are we ready to suffer? Fourth thing, be ready to stand. Be ready to stand. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. You can read the full passage at home. Look at the full armor of God. Take up the full armor of God that you may be able to what? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. We are in a cosmic spiritual battle. There's a lot going on in the spiritual realm around us that we simply cannot see. And when we decide to follow Jesus, we step into a spiritual battle. So we can expect that there will be opposition, both in the natural and in the, in the spiritual realm. Not everyone is going to be happy with your decision to follow Jesus. When I gave my life to Christ, I lost most of my friends. They just didn't want to be around anymore because I wasn't smoking the same stuff they smoked anymore, wasn't doing the same stuff they did anymore, and it's like, eh, and they just didn't want to be around me. I wasn't obnoxious about it. I just said, I'm different. I've changed. And, and you know, they weren't happy about it. So we can expect that. Not everybody's going to be happy about our decision. When, you know, when we prepare our, our so we, we, what we do is we prepare ourselves spiritually to be able to withstand whatever comes our way. And Paul said that once you've done all that you can do, and you see, that's the thing. We have our part to play in the battle. We don't just sit back and let the enemy uh, roll over us or sit back and say, okay, God, you do it all. You do, you know, we have a responsibility to do what we can. Once we've done all that we, can, that we can do to withstand the enemy, then we just stand firm. Once you do all you can, continue to stand. We do that because he gives us the grace to do it. He gives us grace for the moment. And God will give you the grace to stand in any situation that he calls you into or any situation you find yourself in because you were a follower of Jesus, living as you should, and, you, and there are repercussions for that in the world around you, he will give you the grace to stand. But it's your responsibility to stand. So be ready for that. And fifth, be ready to succeed. Be ready to succeed. Expect to succeed. Expect to win the battle. 1 John 5, I'm going to skip down to verse, uh, uh, verse 4 there. Read verse 4 and 5. For every child of God defeats this evil world, 
and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Our mindset, our expectations going into something has a lot to do with whether or not we will see success or failure. We need to understand that. Whatever the Holy Spirit asks us to do, if we go into it expecting to fail, we will. If we go into it with, well, I can't do this, we will fail. If we approach our battles as a victim, we will always be defeated. But when we approach our battles having done all that we can do, when we approach our battles standing in faith, then we can defeat whatever is thrown at us. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We're overcomers. And we don't have to live like victims. So look for the victory. Begin to expect to win. Be ready to succeed. That needs to, our mindset needs to, to be that. Let's stand. I want to ask us a question. And then I want to pray. Are you ready? Are you ready to share? Are you ready to serve? Are you ready to suffer if that's what's called for? Are you ready to stand? And are you ready to succeed? Because you never know when the Holy Spirit is going to tap on your shoulder and say, I've got something for you to do. Will you do it? Are you available? Are you ready? You never know when that's going to happen. And when it does, he wants us to say yes, yes to all of that. We can say, yes, I'm terrified in it. I, I, I don't think I can do it in myself. That's okay. As long as we say, but I know I can do it in you. If you're calling me to it, I can do it. That scripture that says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that doesn't mean anything at all. It just means anything that God puts before me to do, anything he calls me to do, anything he expects me to do, he will equip me to do it, he will empower me to do it. It's up to us, though, to prepare ourselves to be ready for that call. And you never know what he's going to do. It, 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 it may be simply, it may be, I want you to talk to this person at work about me. Or it may be that, that someone comes up to you at, at work and, oh, man, I'm, 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 I'm really struggling. You know, my, my back has been, been killing me for, 
you know, the last three weeks, and I, I get up in the morning, I feel like I can hardly move sometimes. Maybe, well, can I pray for you? Just simple as that. Now, you don't have to be crazy. You don't have to, like, you know, if they say, well, I guess so, and, and then just, you know, slam your head on your hand on their forehead and a hand in the air and, and you know, start shouting. And, and No, it, you know, just you stand in there. You're in the middle of an office setting or in the middle of a work setting, whatever it is, wherever you work. Just picture that, and you're con- having a conversation with somebody, and they come up and say that and say, oh, can I pray for you? Sure, okay. Just right there in a normal tone, low voice, so nobody else knows what's going on around Father, I just ask you to touch my brother or sister here right now. They've been hearing, uh, 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 they've been suffering from back pain, and um, I know that's not your will. So, Lord, I ask you to come and touch them and heal them. And in Jesus' name, I just command that pain to go and to leave, right? Just something simple like that. It doesn't have to be some spiritual thing. Oh, God of our fathers, I ask you to cometh now. And no. I got totally lost in this. Let me pray, but I'm consistent. There's a brother that recognizes truth. Okay, Father, let's pray. I want to say yes to to the Holy Spirit. I want to say yes, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. We say yes to you. Lord, we want you to use us. Holy Spirit, we want to hear your invitation. We want to hear what you're saying to us. We want to step out in faith. Even when we're hesitant, even when we're unsure of ourselves, Lord, we can be sure of you. So let us hear your voice calling us. And we declare right now that that we are ready. We are ready to share. We are ready to serve. We are ready to suffer if that's what's called for. We are ready to stand and we are ready to succeed and to see your name glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.